and welcome to Building Voices, a podcast focused on conversations with people in the know on topical issues impacting disputes resolution and management in the construction industry. My name is Frances Gordon-Weeks and I'm an associate here in the London office of the Ice Disputes team at CMS. The Ice Disputes team specialises in contentious construction work, both domestically and internationally, and we benefit from a broad range of specialists in the team. In light of our team's expertise, we wanted to record a series of podcasts discussing topical issues that are relevant to the construction industry and have a disputes focus. This is the second podcast in the series, following on from the first podcast where we discussed the Secretariat case. This morning, I have the pleasure of being joined by a number of experts throughout CMS. Joining me here today, I have Lucas, a partner in our EPC team and a specialist in regulatory and health and safety issues. Katrina, who is a senior associate for our employment team based in our Edinburgh office, and Catherine, who is an associate and, like me, is in the ICE Disputes team and specialises in contentious construction issues. So, what will we talk about today? The topic of today's podcast follows on from our highly informative legal flyer that we circulated earlier this month. The flyer is a forward-focused look into 2021, setting out the key issues that we consider will impact on the domestic construction market. Today, our discussions will focus on a range of important issues, including the Building Safety Bill, class actions and Brexit and immigration. So to kick us off, Lucas will now briefly talk about the Fire Safety Bill and the key takeaways for those working in the construction industry following the implementation of the bill later this year. Thanks, Lucas. Thank you, Francis. The Fire Safety Bill comes into force uh, in the next couple of months. The intention of the bill is for risk assessments that are conducted on buildings that are currently being occupied uh, to be broader. Uh, they will be broader in the sense that it would include external wall systems and internal doors of individual properties that open up into communal areas. The implications for the construction industry is that people will be looking more closely at the external wall systems they may discover issues with the wall systems that need correcting, or as a consequence of investigations uh, in other aspects of the building, may discover things that needs to be fixed, such as compartmentation. Uh, this creates opportunities for the building industry, but equally also risks in that issues that previously were not spotted are now identified by people through inspecting the premises. Many thanks, Lucas. And on the same topic of fire safety and a bill that has gained a lot of industry attention, Lucas, please let us know about the changes being brought about by the Building Safety Bill and how these matters will impact on the construction industry. The Building Safety Bill will be coming into force towards the end of 2021. Uh, the intention of the bill is to improve how fire safety and structural safety aspects of buildings are approached and managed throughout the life cycle of a building. It will therefore require people who build initially high-risk buildings, which are buildings that are six stories or 18 meters tall, to take additional steps and to be aware of additional regulatory requirements when building uh, properties of that nature. Key concepts that are introduced by the bill includes gateways through which a building needs to pass at planning, construction phase, and finally before its occupation. It imposes duties on duty holders uh, that would need to be discharged during the construction phase and ultimately also during the occupation phase. Of particular interest, I think, uh, would be stuff like 
the golden thread of information requirements that will require parties involved in the uh, planning, development, construction and occupation of buildings to maintain information about the building that is kept in a digital format and available to various parties. Also of particular interest would be mandatory, mandatory occurrence reporting. This will require a principal contractor, for example, during the construction phase to establish a process by which people can raise concerns about the structural or fire safety of a building. These concerns then needs to be reported to the regulator. Practically, this could mean that the regulator becomes aware of issues and that enforcement action might be taken in respect of the project. These procedures and processes uh, impacts on the construction phase of a project, but also ultimately will continue throughout the occupation phase of a building. Many thanks, Lucas. It seems like there are some significant changes ahead in respect to fire safety. Now, for a slight change of focus, Katrina, with your experience and expertise on employment disputes, please tell us about recent employment issues affecting the construction industry. No doubt the restrictions imposed by the pandemic and the government's furlough scheme will be a topic of interest. Absolutely. So the COVID-19 pandemic has had significant impact on the people agenda for most, if not all, organisations, with employers having to respond to completely novel challenges, almost always within very short timescales. This time last year, even employment lawyers were not familiar with the concept of furlough in the UK and government support for employers in the form of the coronavirus job retention scheme was completely unimaginable. Even though construction sites have been open to some extent over the last few months, I do expect that many construction companies were pleased to hear the announcement in the budget that the CJRS will be extended until the end of September, particularly as it can be used flexibly and gives employers scope to stand up and down workforces. So until the end of June, the government will fully fund the furlough wage payable to employees, and that remains 80% of wages for hours not worked up to a cap of £2,500. However, from the 1st of July, employers will be required to contribute 10% to their employees' furlough pay, increasing to 20% for August and September. And then as we emerge from lockdown and there's the anticipated ramp up in infrastructure and construction activity, I expect that in line with furlough, construction companies will really want to be as keen as possible to have uh, workforces that are as flexible as possible. And in the past, a way of doing that has been to engage contractors rather than employees. But that then brings us on to IR35 and then the upcoming changes to the off payroll working rules in the private sector. So these changes were originally to have come into effect last April, but were postponed in light of the pandemic. And the main purpose of IR35 is to provide that individuals who are working through an intermediary, so that's usually, but not always, a personal service company. Those individuals who would normally be regar regarded as employees, if they were engaged directly by the end user, the aim is that they pay broadly the same income tax and national insurance contributions as if they were employed. So currently, in the private sector, the intermediary determines employment status for income tax purposes and accounts for tax and NICs if necessary. And that means that the tax risk lies with the intermediary. So that's effectively the individual's business 
rather than with the end user organization receiving the services. But from April 2021, at the simplest level, the changes will mean that the end user client must make a status determination and then communicate that and the reasons for it to the individual. And there are a number of situations in which the end user could then become responsible um, to HMRC for all or some of the income tax and NIC liability. And that's really why it's just so important for end users to seek to minimise this risk um, by taking steps now. Many thanks, Katrina. A lot of content there. It seems that the impact of COVID on the construction workforce will play out for some time to come. On the subject of highly topical issues, I guess we cannot avoid discussing Brexit. Please tell us more about the UK's exit from the European Union and how that will impact on the construction industry. Yes, so this is another huge topic in itself, but I think the, the headlines are that since the beginning of January, individuals travelling to the UK have been required to obtain a visa through the new points-based system to visit, live, work or study in the UK. And the skilled worker route sets specific skills and salary thresholds and requires there to be a genuine vacancy. So given the reliance on EEA nationals in parts of the construction industry, I think this is an unwelcome development and will just exacerbate the pre-existing skills shortage, certainly in the short term. And really the key thing is to make sure that employers are continuing to plan as they look to increasing activity over the rest of the year, really to ensure that they have a strong pipeline of labour sources going forward and take the necessary steps in relation to visas if possible. Thanks, Katrina. So, turning to a different subject, as many of you will be aware, there has been a recent string of cases that are relevant to class actions. Historically, bringing a class action in the UK has not been a straightforward process in comparison to other jurisdictions. Catherine, please tell us more about this. Thank you, Francis. As you see, class actions have been subject to case law recently, and as a result, will likely become more common. So what is a class action? Where an event has caused mass harm, groups of individual claims can be pulled together, resulting in one larger value claim being brought against a defendant, rather than each claim being run separately. Because of this, it could have significant impact on both private and public sector organisations. Class actions can expose businesses to new and potentially very large claims by pulling smaller claims that would otherwise be uneconomic to run. There are different rules in Scotland and England which have to be considered when faced with a class action. However, the general principle of an opt-in procedure, which requires potential claimants to take positive steps to join the group before their claim can be part of the proceedings, apply to both north and south of the border. The main area that we see class actions affecting the industry include GDPR breaches, product liability and customer claims. The COVID-19 pandemic has also caused other mass harm events, such as health and safety claims by employees, but these are still to become known. So what can you do? Businesses can consider taking steps to mitigate exposure to claims by implementing risk management procedures and by reviewing your insurance policies to ensure adequate covers in place in the event of a class action. Great, thanks Catherine. Seems like we could be seeing a lot more class actions on the horizon. I can see the economical advantage of that approach. And finally, Catherine, please tell me a little bit more about technological advancements and how these can impact the construction industry. Technology on site is another area of growth which has been developing over recent years and will no doubt continue to do so. BIM, for example, has been a construction buzzword for years. 
BIM allows different aspects of design to be combined to identify areas of concern, which would only normally become known at the time of construction. The aim with BIM is to assist with the combination of complex designs and reduce the need for variations or changes on site. Sites had also started to explore the use of eye and fingerprint scanning, which were used to increase site security and assess with records on site. The use of drones had also increased. This allowed the industry to see sites remotely, as well as obtaining access to remote or hard to access areas. The impact of COVID-19 again cannot be overlooked when thinking about technology on site. Technology has allowed work and sites to continue remotely. Site-based staff have been able to work from their own homes and we've also seen site visits taking place via video link. There have been advancements in the use of wearable tech, for example devices which measure how close people are and will beep if people breach the safety area have become smaller and being able to be worn on hard hats. So how can the construction industry benefit from tech? There can be an increase of accuracy on site, cost savings and increased safety, but businesses should also consider the data protection and employment law implications when using tech. Great, thanks Catherine and thanks everyone for today's discussions which I think have been really informative and have covered a broad range of interesting topics. We look forward to joining you next time to discuss further issues that impact on the construction industry. Many thanks.